kiss the water till your well runs dry. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Tuesday, January the 25th, 2022. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh Hey Joe, I'm doing well. I'm uh, my I'm coming at you as usual from Brooklyn, New York. My hot take tonight is a pop culture hot take, a rare one, um, and that is that <clears throat> Space Jam Two, starring LeBron James and Don Cheadle, is the worst sports movie ever made. I started watching it the other day, made it about 20 minutes in, and I realized that it's a kids movie. And it's not really geared towards me, but I really feel like even 10-year-old Sam would have fucking hated that movie. Really bad. How did you get how did you watch this movie? What what was the context that led you to watching Space Jam 2? I don't know. I think that it was kind of just there. We you know, I recently watched Space Jam 1 for the first time. Bye. So which is insane that you can watch Space Jam. Right, and I think that, like, you know, this is a really bad move on LeBron James' part, and it really hurts his case on, like, whether or not he is the greatest versus Michael Jordan, because, like, you could easily put those two movies next to each other and see that Michael Jordan is far superior to LeBron James. At least in acting. Right. Yeah, (laughs) But okay. it's gotta it's gotta make you like guess. So you texted guess, me the rest of it. You texted me what you wanted to tweet about that movie that it made you want to fucking right, that's how it. I tweet. Yeah. So I text stuff to Joel and then he yeah. decides whether or not it's appropriate to put online or not. And I tweeted it and then Don Cheadle retweeted us. So- Say, go ahead and kill yourself. So I think we have a right. Yeah, he told us to kill ourselves. Uh, We got it. We're going to have to continue this. Definitely. The Don Cheadle dump on the um, Twitter feud. I'm excited about it. Um, Also joining a special guest from Bad Guy Radio, Justin. Welcome, Justin. How are you doing? What's going on, guys? Uh, First off, Sam. What the hell are you telling a black guy that you watch Space Jam for the first time? What are you doing, bro? What what these have you been watching? Are you a big Kevin Costner guy? Jam. You watch Waterworld for the past two decades? No, Waterworld was really bad, but it was better than Space Jam too. That's for sure. I think the biggest difference from uh is the cult. you can go you could. You serve value and just look at the the soundtrack. You know, upbeat. I have relevant songs. You know, I even got Seal. You know, giving me uh, "Fly Like an Eagle," which his version is better than Steve Miller's band. But we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. The, 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 we can. The, we can get into it if you want. I'm not Sam, sure that you'd find to disagree with you. But Sam was almost forty until he watched Space Jam 1, 
and then immediately watched Space Jam 2. Yeah. Small fucking gap, Sam. (laughs) Right. So, but here's the thing, though, is it's not like I watched Space Jam 1 when I was a kid and I have all this, like, nostalgia attached to it from my childhood. You know, like, I watched this movie as an adult and then shortly thereafter attempted to watch Space Jam 2. And the two are not even... Like, I made it all the way through Space Jam 1. I thought it was good. Like, Space Jam 2 was terrible. And I think that, I mean, I think that part of it is that nobody was really trying. I feel like it was just a cash grab, that movie, and no one really Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and no one was really trying. But, like, you know, Space Jam 1, they never animated Michael Jordan. It was all the whole... And Space Jam 2, you're like 20 minutes in and LeBron James is gone. It's just a cartoon. And he clearly recorded the entire movie in like an afternoon. And then they just animated it. Yeah. I mean, well, you got to think, look at what LeBron James is doing right now with the Lakers. Uh, it's just going through the motions. I'm watching, a, I'm watching you know, one of the greatest of all time uh, show me lackluster effort socially. Uh, physically the numbers are always going to be there because that's his calling card you know he's like a more efficient Westbrook Uh, but I just didn't see the sense of urgency making the movie Um, it it has no connections to the nostalgic version the first one so I, I feel like you know when you put LeBron James in a situation to where he has to live up in Michael Jordan's shoes professionally uh, that's including acting now. I think you, you're stacking the, get, the deck against them, and then you're asking him to be a social justice warrior, talk about China and everything else. So I feel like you're preparing LeBron for a life that he wasn't trying to live. You know, he's a private guy. He has his circle sure. of friends. He's an he's like a crocodile. He's never going to change. He's, he was perfected from day one. So uh, that's just my take on it. But he didn't have oh, totally. And yeah. you're not wrong, but I think that if you're going to put that kind of trash out there, then you have to also be prepared for people to call you out on it. Yeah. <laughs> because Space Jam 2 was bad. Talking to you, Don Cheadle. You Don Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit us with your hot take, Justin. You were excited about this. Well, you know. I was uh, on the internet, you know, I got to stop playing on the internet at four and five o'clock in the morning. I went to the Boston Red Sox, uh, you know, savant sheet, and it told me that they're allowing over 300 points of Babbitt. So I took a look at their infield. Obviously, we're going to go young at first base with Cassis or uh, anybody else. Second and third base is holes for the team because. Xander Bogarts has lost a step. I think he's finally transitioned to where he's supposed to be at third base. So here's my hot take. Okay. Rafael Devers should be the Red Sox second baseman going into 2022. Ooh, that's a hot take. Xander Bogarts should be the starting third baseman for the okay. Boston Red Sox going forward. And we use shortstop as a bridge year. So you could give Trevor Story a front-loaded uh, two- to three-year deal and let Marcelo Mayer and Nick York stay in the incubator. You know, you got to leave some Pokemon at the nursery longer sure. than others. Um, we have an opportunity to take advantage of one having one of the most prolific lineups in baseball. 
Everybody's worried about the pitching. Everybody's worried about the bullpen. The bullpen and the pitching, they rise to the occasion. Nobody would look at Nathan Evaldi as a, a World Series game one starter. But when I look at Big Nate, I can look into his eyes and he can give me exactly what I need anytime, anywhere. Look at the wild card game against the Yankees and yeah. how he shoved, absolutely shoved. That's not a guy that you would tab as a super ace like a DeGrom and Max. We already, no. we already cracked, cracked the code early. Use the rotation as our social barrier and our offense is our bulletproof, our bulletproof uh, vest, if you will. That's that's a fire that nobody can put out. Ex Tampa. Yep, I agree with you there. I and that's a hot take, and I I love it actually. And I think that the it's exactly the sort of thing that you might expect out of uh, Heim Bloom and Alex Cora. I don't see Devers. Devers has been improving every year at third base putting him in the middle of the double play situation might be too much of a learning curve for him at this point. The, the only, the only reason I even said moved uh, Rafa to second is because he's a gamer. He's yeah. going to give you a, he's going to give you 110% going into any situation, whether he's being a C minus to D plus fielder. I, I watched him uh, this postseason, and uh, it looked like he couldn't throw. And it was it right. was uh and it was affecting him at the plate. He never drops his top hand follow through in a, through a swing. It looked like anything inside the middle part of the plate where he had to cheat a little bit was tying him up, and he was in pain swinging a bat. Yeah. That lets me know he has an elbow issue, and take him out of that situation. It was his forearm, I think. You know, yeah. forearm something or other. Yeah, no, for sure. And that I think that probably affected some of his power numbers at the end of the year too. Yeah, uh, he ran out of juice. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that guy is going to be legit regardless of where you put him on the field. I mean, at the plate. Um, and the Red Sox have, like, looking really good offensively, for sure, for years to come. Yeah. What are your thoughts uh, on it, the JBJ trade? Ah, a big waste of my fucking time. Because, <laughs> I mean – he, his his defensive prowess, I mean, it, it it's top tier, but it's going to be hard to put him in the fucking lineup. Right. Even even with our, our, our B club and our C club still probably won't have room for a guy like JBJ because nine times out of ten, the, uh, the, he's going to get the most value playing center field for us. Well, we got Verdugo now. Eight. So he's our center field too when Kike uh, is not in center. Yeah. I went to that baseball game last year, Red Sox Rays, where it was like 16 to, to 15, the Red Sox lost, and Verdugo gave, like missed a fly ball that turned into an inside-the-park grand slam. Do you remember that game? Of course. <clears throat> I was there, and I do not trust Alex Verdugo in center field. What? I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you something that I, I don't even feel proud of. Let this come out of my mouth. Alex Verdugo is decent compensation for the Mookie Betts trade, and I'll tell you why. Right. Okay. He, he at the age of 22, 
He's he's an elite defender. He can have his gaps. I've seen fucking Luis Robert take a ball off the forehead the first week of the, the season. It can happen to anybody, Sam, for Christ's sake. Um, Alex Verdugo can hit anywhere in the lineup. He's not going to give away at-bats. He's What if I told you he's my outfield version of Dustin Pedroia? Okay. I mean, I could see that maybe down the line, but I, you know, that guy makes a lot of mistakes, I feel like. He's still a young kid. He just learned yeah. he could fucking go to the liquor store legally. <laughs> I mean, give him a fucking break, yeah. Sam. <clears throat> no, no. I like him too. He's not Mookie Betts. And no, nobody, Betts, nobody's Mookie nobody's, Betts. Nobody's Mookie Betts. Um, and I'm still salty about that trade. Uh, but I do like I do like Verdugo. Um, but I, you know, the Red Sox outfield last year, as many outfield assists as they had, they also just made a lot of mistakes. And I think that yeah. having somebody, just even having JBJ like in practice with guys like Verdugo and uh, what's his name, Duran, is going to be helpful. Yeah. But he's going to uh, have to get a lot better at the plate. Justin, you like, snuck in Trevor's story, there, though. Do you think that's going to yeah. Uh, uh, we he uh, Sam just mentioned Kyle Bloom. Hopefully, he got a, a ace of spades up his sleeve. Like, if you yeah. can, you imagine adding Trevor's story to this lineup? Yeah, there he's been mentioned a number of times, Joel, as like a sort of maybe being interested in a one year deal from clubs because he had a down year last year, which is going to hurt his long term trade value, and that's what. Marcus Simeon did with the Blue Jays. So they were like comparing those two. And, you know, the Red Sox are the type of team that would give them a one-year deal. Yeah. And like like I said, you already got Nick York and you got Marcelo Mayer. Who, those are two guys that are going to be uh, cornerstones to bridging your franchise the next couple of years. So you don't want to front load give uh, Marcus Simeon type contract a Corey Seager type contract. You don't want to be in that ballpark if you're kind of blue. Right. So would you want to make sure well, that your window stays open and right. you don't, Especially you if, don't want to block your kids. Right. Especially if Xander Bogarts doesn't opt out, which he probably will. Ugh, don't do that. I love Xander. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but he's got to, oh. he's got to look at that Corey Seager contract that that guy just got and be like, man, I'm better than that guy. And, like, same with uh, – what's his name? Correa, who's going to get a huge deal. Like, Xander Bogarts is better than both of those guys. Maybe not Ooh. defensively, maybe not. But at the plate, he's better than both of those guys. I'd, um, well, one of my favorite players of all time is Alex Rodriguez. And when I look at Carlos Correa, I see Alex Rodriguez all over. And I get a little chubby. You know, it, like the, the six-inch pickle gets a little stiff. You know, it's been cold in Chicago, but I can still manage, you know. Uh, but And you're like I a see wide Car- spectrum of, of things that you're a fan of, huh? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm an American League supremacist. So right. the White Sox and the Red Sox are the only two teams that I can support. I hate the Yankees. Uh, the Twins are okay. I hate the, I hate the Guardians now. I still call them the Tribe, but I hate the Guardians because they let the Cubs win a World Series. That's right. that's like a, they had one job, they had one job and they failed. 
right. you know, my my uncle Kenwell on the uh, Bad Guy Radio, he agreed with me. We hate, we hate, you know, Cleveland for letting that happen. But you know, uh, like I said, I'm I'm a fan of both socks. You oh, know, wait, wait. Uh, I mean, you just, some of the best years of my life. How can you be a Red Sox fan? And what say, was that, Joe? How can you be a fan of A Rod though? Other than he's good, he's good oh. at baseball. But how can you be a fan of him? Uh, when I first got into baseball, uh, you know, I was probably about five or six. I didn't start playing video games uh, until like the year 2000. So I had the Nintendo 64 and I had MLB All-Star 2000. Do you not know what it feels like to hit with Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr., Jay Buhner, Brett Boone, Alex Rodriguez? Do you understand as a black guy from inner city Chicago, I get to use Murderer's Row every day on the Nintendo 64. Don't get me started on those Colorado Rockies. You understand, like, the Mariners hold a special place in my heart on a video game level. Like, even with MLB Slugfest, when they had Ichiro throwing fireballs from Starbucks. (laughs) It was crazy. Man, so uh, A Rod's the A Rod's one of the goats, man. I mean, but I know you guys hate really him, but, good at but he's a he's a Yankee, yeah. and he's Sunday night football. Yeah. Oh, I, I like I like Marcus too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a Packers fan, so you know I've I've, I've probably unfollowed him on Twitter. I don't know. I got to check. <laughs> Speaking of which, but right, I want to talk a little bit of football real quick because my hot take. The 49ers beat the Packers, right? 13 to 10 in the divisional round. Big upset at Lambeau Field. Chicago Twitter was loving it. I don't care. I'm not a Bears fan. I'm like, okay, whatever. I had no opinion until after the game when Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, quote, there were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for only one reason, and that's because of my vaccination status. And they wanted to see us lose so they could pile on. Like, fuck this guy, right? Like, <laughs> you, you lost the game. Deal with it. You fucking lost the game. And then he comes on the internet, what, what is this, less than 48 hours later, as like, oh, they were just rooting against me because of my vaccination status. Oh, my God. This guy needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. Like, like now, lost, so now I'm like rooting against to... him. I wasn't rooting against Aaron Rodgers before. Now I'm rooting against him. Yeah, that's like the classic anti-vaxxer stance, right? It's like, oh, everyone's out to get me. It's like, no one gives a shit about you, Aaron Rodgers. Like, you couldn't score more than 10 points, like, at home. Give me a break. <laughs> You got to think cares. about it. Most of the most of the people that enjoy Aaron's company are people watching him on TV or got him in the parlay. Other than that, he's he either works with you or related to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah. No, that's the thing. Um, all right, moving on. Shout out to everyone who was listening to our old episodes. Thank you so much. Please continue to do so. Justin, I don't know if you uh, listened to an episode where we had Yeah Dog on. Uh, I I, ch- I chimed in and out. You know, that's my boy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> he came on. 
told us what it was like growing up on the South Side in, in his day, and that was that was pretty hilarious. And telling Carlton Fisk to fuck off. So, uh, shout out to Yeah Dog. Thanks for him to coming on and, and uh, check out that episode. Um, shout out to all the listeners. Shout out to Thomas. He's not here tonight. He was definitely had some opinions about the things we're going to talk about. And he's the main yeah. man on the podcast. Ooh, he was my mortal enemy down the stretch. The Mariners was on our ass uh, for the wild card. Uh, I, I only stopped trolling Mariners fans uh, when we won that series in Washington. When Rafa hit that home run to take the lead, I think that was game two against the Nats, the one we had to have. Yeah, that yeah. was sick. So, I mean, I, I mean, after that, you know, I was cool with Mariners fans. You know, I think I got a Ty France tattoo on my ass cheek, so he had a good year. <laughs> How did okay? So you grew up in Chicago. So you're a White Sox fan and a Red Sox fan. How did you come about your your Red Sox fandom? Was it, yeah? What made you adopt the uh, the other team? Well, um, the the first poster I had was uh, Nomar Garcia Para. So you know that was that was my favorite player growing up. Uh, he made baseball look cool. Like I talk about A-Rod, it was because he made baseball look easy. Everything was smooth. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, to this day, I would tell people that Alex Rodriguez was a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter just had more success, more professional success. Better arm. Yeah. He ran faster, more power. I mean, he gave me the the same amount of contact at least. You know, but Jeter was never going to give me that 45 home run season, no matter where he hit for the Yankees. Yeah, no, he was definitely a better defensive shortstop, but you couldn't really, by the time he made it to the Yankees, Jeter was pretty entrenched. Yeah. But yeah, he, no, he was, uh, he, he was already the, the golden boy. You could tell, like, he was knighted. He was uh, their Mike Trout. Yeah, except not as good. Yeah, except for like not talented, like Mike. Except for he was just name ten, like mediocre, mediocre at baseball. <laughs> I could name ten players that's better than Mike Trout in this generation right now. Ooh, that's odd. Yeah. Okay, that's but, a hot but, take and, too. So did you? Did you, are you? Because now today in 2022, you're like, yeah, I'm a White Sox fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. Like, was it because you were, like, mm-hmm. coming of age when you're really getting into baseball when that Yankees-Red Sox rivalry was, like, hot and then the Red Sox finally broke through? Like, what was it that made you be like, yeah, Boston, that's my that's my my team? You want to know something funny, that story? So, uh, I already told you I like Nomar Garcia Parra. So, obviously, you root for the player, you support the team. I live in Chicago, so I got to be a Sox fan by default. But 2003, when Aaron Boone hit the home run off of Tim Wakefield, the way my my heart broke into a million pieces, and I was like silent sad. Like, you know, when you're eating a bowl of cereal at the table by yourself and the cereal doesn't taste good? That's what it, it felt like. like. anything. <laughs> it doesn't taste – It. I was in void land, and that's the first time sports had, you know, made me feel like that. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, all right, I got an emotional connection to the Red Sox now. So that, and then that, that it just took off. Yeah. Like the last time I felt really sad as a Red Sox fan was the collapse of 2011. 
because we already traded for my boy Adrian Gonzalez. The offense was humming, starting pitching was shoving. Next thing you know, we get to Baltimore and I'm crying again. So I'm like, here we go. So, you know, Red Sox fan is the emotional part of Justin. Yeah. Oh, wait, just I that. love it. I love that you that you attach yourself to this team because of the heart glitch. Sam and I watched that game together and I couldn't talk to him for like two weeks after that game. He yeah, didn't talk to hurt, bro. No, he went. Yeah, talk. it sucked. Yeah, yeah. But then you had the next year. I love that. Yep. Your first experiences, man. Your first experiences is always heartbreak. Um, mine was, Justin, I can't be a Bull fan because my heartbreak was the 1992 NBA Finals when Ooh. my boy Clyde Drexler and the Trailblazers choked uh, away game six to the Chicago Bulls. And uh, that's that that hooked me for a real long time. <laughs> I mean, well, can you really say people choked against Mike? Oh, or you just... that game, yes. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, that game. It was. It was like one of those inevitability things that because the Trailblazers yeah. would do that. They would come out in the third quarter and they would suck, and it would. They had like a. 20 point lead in the second half of that game and just shattered all of yeah them. well uh, it happens in basketball when when players get too complacent on the court they become vulnerable because basketball is so fast-paced we see we seen the lead for the uh the rams evaporate against tampa bay and would seem like 10 minutes and that was a three-score game yeah that was crazy Every, everybody was talking about uh, Kansas City and Buffalo, uh, how they kept scoring, you know, explosively. That L.A. Rams game was off the chain because everything that Tampa needed to happen, happened. That's what happened for the Bulls against your Blazers. Yeah. It was a, it was a perfect storm for about an hour and a half. Yes. <laughs> and just to be on the opposite side of that, that's the – you know, and that's where sports fandom comes from. That's my whole theory is that it's not about, I mean, everybody loves winning the championship, but you become a fan at that moment of the heartbreak where you see your, your team choke away the third quarter lead, lose on a walk-off home run. Like that kind of moment is where like it builds. Well, you want to talk about weird fandoms like, when the Warriors drafted Steph Curry, like I watched this guy that looks like me. Uh, he was saving Davidson. He looked like a fucking superhero. So I, I come gravitated towards Steph Curry. I think he's probably the best point guard ever. Only unanimous MVP. I become a war I, affinity with the Warriors. You know, I'm like a I'm like a baby kitten. Mama, mama. I gravitated towards him. You know, uh, when Clay hurt his knee against Toronto. That was like the Red Sox moment for me. Like, it can't get worse than this. We just lost, you know, Kevin Durant. This was our three-peat. We could be in a Jordan conversation. When you realize all of that goes out the door to fucking Kawhi Leonard and the guys up north, that hurts. Yeah. You know. That gets you that image of Steph Curry with his jersey over his head right, right after Clay goes down. Yeah. Hmm. That all of the air was out of the balloon that night. Like there was no point of even thinking about like that was game six. 
if you win game six, what do you do game seven? And you're sitting there looking at Kawhi's cornrows, licking his chops because he knows he got a fucking Larry O'Brien trophy. <laughs> Another finals MVP. Just, uh, dismantling a second uh, franchise, second dynasty. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about something that's really going to make you mad, though. Let's get to the headlines. Sam, can you read this? Okay. this one? Yeah. yeah I'm also, I'm just going to go back to give my own shout out to Thomas here because he was hot tonight. Yeah. He sent a text message about the Hall of Fame voting today, really, really salty. So we're really looking forward to getting him back on the podcast. Thomas, if you're listening, (laughs) it's going to be good. Um, The Hall of Fame, earlier this evening, the final votes for the 2022 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame inductees were announced. The only player to get elected to the Hall this year was David Ortiz of the Red Sox, who was elected on his first ballot with 77.9% of the vote. This was also the last year that either Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, and also Kurt Schilling, I believe, would appear on the ballot. And none of them made the cutoff. So the question here is, did uh, the Baseball Writers Association do Barry Bonds wrong in this vote? Hell fucking yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I... Because I don't want to get uh, misty-eyed on the goddamn show, Sam. Uh, I was telling JoJo earlier that it was a fucking travesty that Barry Bonds didn't make the Hall of Fame. So what that tells me is the baseball writers don't care about cumulative stats no more. Home runs, RBIs, hits, average, slugging, on base. Barry Bonds gave you the perfect offensive player, and that doesn't matter to you. He leads in everything. We, we talk about Mike Trout being a generational player. Who made those stats matter? Who has those stats in abundance? Barry Bonds. Yeah, there's, there's uh, no way. If you- You're absolutely right. And it's, it's like, especially, like, I don't think you're, any of us are going to disagree with you on any of this. But the thing, like, the thing about Barry Bonds is that all of the stats that people pay attention to now, like retroactively applied to Barry Bonds, it, it doesn't matter what metric you're you're judging guys by. It could be home runs and RBI or like RBIs and batting average. Batting. Sure, Barry Bonds is there. Like <clears throat> um, WAR, OPS plus, like everything. This guy's at the top of the list for everything. It's crazy. And what are you going to say? Like, we were talking about the credibility of the Hall of Fame. And what they are doing is they're hurting their own credibility by making these decisions. You now have the point where you've got the all-time home run uh, leader, Barry Bonds, not in the Hall of Fame. The all-time hit leader, Pete Rose, not in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens, uh, third... I mean, I hated Roger Clemens, but third career... Why? Uh, he was a dick in the late 90s. He was just a dick. Ah, come on, JoJo. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck Roger Clemens. I'm a... <laughs> he I, for... I can't ever... he won a World Series for the with the Yankees, for crying out loud, and I still got to give this man his roses. Oh, he was good. Rocket. I'm not saying he's not good. He was really good. I'm just saying I fucking hate it. <laughs> 
You can hate players who are good at baseball. I hate <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. He's probably like, I, yeah. I um, think that- Roger Clemens, Shoeless Joe Jackson, Pete Rose, Barry Bonds. None of them are in the Hall of Fame. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. And Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are both, you know, they're steroid guys, but I feel like you could look at what they did before steroids, before the steroids that everyone freaked out about were around and look at those numbers and they still get into the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, you but the thing about the Hall of Fame could, voting. You could, take, you could take just, I mean, we, you shouldn't do this, but you could take just Barry Bonds with the Pirates and that's a Hall of Fame. Right. Right, and just Roger Clemens with the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. And that was before, and that was before they had team success. You know, right. that was before all of their talents, you know, trickled down to the rest of the organization. What the baseball writers told me today is that their eyes lied to them. They don't believe what their eyes saw. That Barry Bonds got seven pitches to hit a week. And six of those pitches left the ballpark sometimes. Yeah. No, and the other thing is, like, it's totally subjective, right? It always has been. And But there's no sort of, there's no sort of consensus. And and they're really, you know, as you said, Joel, completely losing their credibility because they're just all over the place with what it is that they give a shit about. Right. yeah, no, I and, think they don't like Barry Bonds because he was he was not like kissing their ass in the in the dugout after the game. Like he wouldn't talk to them. Right. Like, they don't like him. Like that's really what I think it is. Because he well, was, you gotta think of uh, go ahead, Joe. steroids. Well, like, steroids. Wait, well, the steroids, but David Ortiz, you know, he's not innocent of steroids. Are we going to keep Alex Rodriguez out of the Hall of Fame forever? Is Alex Rodriguez got a lifetime ban? I don't believe it. I think he'll get in eventually. Like, yeah. they're going to have to give on the steroids thing. Maybe not. Maybe I'm yeah. talking about Well, that's the thing, right? David Ortiz was linked to steroids in one report that happened in 2003, right. which was kind of right before he started his kind of Hall of Fame tear. Arc, um, yeah. And then he played 16 more years or whatever and didn't test positive for steroids for 14 more years and got all of, and that's where he got all of his numbers. So, but that's what I'm also saying about Bonds and Clemens is you can do the same thing with them on the beginning half of like the beginning portion of their career, you know? Uh, What I, what I want to get to is what does the steroids, how does steroids help you in baseball? Because think about what, got Roger Clemens into the Hall of Fame, spinning a baseball. I don't think steroids can help you with that. What was Barry Bonds' call-in card at the plate? He never missed his pitch. I don't think steroids could help with that. I believe that people were juicing at a certain level so they could stay at their prime for longer. They want to stay durable. They want to be able to be an ox instead of, you know, the panther that got them the check. You know what I'm saying? They were in a transition with their body because everybody who, you know, was supposedly juicing, they all bulked up physically. And that's what different metabolism, different ethnicities, everybody bulked up. A perfect example, I don't know if he's juicing, was Miguel Cabrera. 
Miguel Cabrera was running like a fucking elk with the Marlins. And all of a sudden he turns into a tank in Detroit right after signing that paycheck. I mean, we could put two and two together, you know, but at the same time, I don't think steroids had an impact on what these players accomplished. It just uh, gave them durability. Let's just say that. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's what I'm saying is that the, the way that the voters, the way that the writers look at it, it's like some writers look at it like that. And some writers look at it like, well, like David Ortiz only was linked to this weird shadow report and that's it. So, and everything he did was after that. So we vote for him. And some people are like, anyone who's ever been linked to steroids will never get a vote from me. And there's like absolutely no sort of standard for it. And that's like, that is ruining I mean, it's well, just, and this it, is such a weird, muddy area. It's like, it's going to be a black spot in the Hall of Fame forever because, because no one can figure this bullshit out. And they don't even try to, you know? Well, you got to think how much does win and how much weight does win and hold in baseball now? You got, a, you got more than a third of the league actively tanking right now. Uh, wins above replacement. Most of the leaders in war is on losing teams. Like, I got Mike Trout at the top of the list. When his games don't even matter after July, yeah, everything is all all on the on the stat sheet. You better have a good baseball reference page, or you're not in the lineup. My GM's looking at it. My hitting coach looking at it. Everybody's getting you know monitored by productivity. What about the person inside the jersey? You know, because you don't you don't project the man's work ethic. How much drive you got? I'm gonna give you a perfect example right now. I got two players on my Chicago White Sox team, Yoan Moncada and Tim Anderson. I know Tim Anderson is a tireless worker. I know Yoan Moncada makes music videos. It's easier for me to project Tim Anderson's uh, continued success than Moncada. And Moncada looks like a better baseball player than Tim Anderson. And War tells me that. But what does my eyes see? My eyes see Tim Anderson drive and Moncada. So how can I say Moncada is a better player just because War tells me that? Well, it's third base. He's a shortstop. Moncada's third yeah. base and Anderson shortstop. Well, yeah, well, outside of the two positions, War tried to tell me that uh, Yoan Moncada is a higher wins player than Tim Anderson, when I know that's not the case, watching what? both players. Well, no, you're right. Tim Anderson is more valuable to the White Sox than Moncada is, definitely. But I love Moncada, so I don't like it when you bring that Moncada slander in here. Come on. Right. Also, that's you a really know who I am. Video. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, I know who you are. I mean, I, I, I say it on uh, Bad Guy Radio every week. Every week. Moncada's my favorite. Every, he's my favorite player of all time in a Chicago White Sox uniform. But he is not as good as White Sox fans think he is. And I get into conversation throwing my man's name in the dirt, comparing him to players like Matt Chapman, Nolan Arenado, players that are better than him. I have to make that fucking case against my favorite player just because other fans overrate him. I, I get sick to my fucking stomach, guys. All right. I want to talk about David Ortiz for a second because here's my hypothesis is that too, like more than what we want to admit is that it's about narrative 
right? Because who has the best story of the 21st century? It's David Ortiz, right? Comes to the Red Sox, hits a home run, you know, walk off 2004 ALCS, first World Series, Boston Marathon bombing. This is our fucking city. David Ortiz, right? Then old man David Ortiz leading them again to another World Series, right? Like he's got the story arc, regardless of statistics, that are going to justify people voting him into that, right? I think Derek Jeter, who I also hate, had the narrative. Like Derek Jeter's not, he was a he was a near unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Right, I think he was unanimous, wasn't he? I thought he missed one vote. I don't know. Was he? I think he, he missed, missed one vote. vote. Yeah, he missed one vote. You can't tell me that Jeff Jeter is like the greatest baseball player of all time. He, right. He got he got voted into the Hall of Fame based on the narrative of captain of the Yankees re- resurrecting the Yankees of the nineties. Nine eleven happened. Like, yeah, no, Derek Jeter is an American superhero. If you if you look at his resume, he's like the James Bond of the MLB. He look at his body count. Like every beautiful woman from 1997 to 2007, Derek Jeter has nailed her to the cross. I mean, Jesus Christ, what more do you want? No, you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> no, Mar Garcia Parra is a better shortstop than Derek Jeter, but Derek Jeter is still a goat. I can't. I can't dispute that. Right. Uh, yeah. No. I. I think that the the baseball writers have lost their credibility. But I think we. You know, maybe some of them are looking at advanced. Like Sam, you said this already. Maybe some of them are looking at advanced stats. Maybe some of them are looking at fucking wins and batting average. And maybe some of them are like, oh yeah, that was cool when David Ortiz hit that home run one time. There's, right. There's like, no. There's no consistency. Yeah. And maybe some of them are like, well, Barry Bonds was impolite to me one time, so I'm not going to vote for him. I right. Well, and then, but I think another thing to bring up, I think, Joel, is that you put Shoeless Joe Jackson and, and Pete Rose into that same group, but they, they're banned. They're, they could never even appear on the ballot. So, oh, okay. I that's see. a different. Yeah. It's a different sort of category than these writers taking it upon themselves to be like, no, Barry Bonds, no, Roger Clemens, you can't come in. Mm -hmm. That's the venomous part of this whole situation is these writers knew that Barry Bonds wasn't getting voted into the Hall of Fame. Why don't you ban up like you like Pete Rose? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to leave Barry on the noose just because you're spiteful. You know, they this is a public lynching we're watching here. Every year we look at Barry Bonds' name on the ballot just to get the same fucking answer. The pickup yeah. to let down. And you're like, he is he's the great, he is, he's he's like you said, he's winning every statistic. You want to look at hits, home runs, batting average, it's him. You want to look at OPS plus, war, advanced, it's Barry Bonds. Like nobody can do what he did. Hey, Bruce, then Barry Bonds. Babe Ruth in like 1924 with a segregated. Could strike Babe Ruth out, Sam. (laughs) Like, I could strike Babe Ruth out right now. (laughs) Like, what's coming out of my right hand is the equivalent of Koji Urahara. Okay. I'm only hitting like 80, 88 on the gun. 
And instead of the splitter, I got the slider. But it's effective, trust me. <laughs> My ERA is only like 67, and it's coming, it's coming down. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you guys yeah. want to talk about the good, man. That's fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to uh, take these little blue pills to make sure it stays at 88. I, I probably miss a week and I'm back to 61. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Let's just say I'm the pharmacy tech in that situation. Right. Well, but that's the other thing is like fucking Mickey Mantle was popping amphetamines like the entire time. So, yeah. I don't know, like, where you draw that line. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Amphetamines are fine. Steroids are not fine. Like, you well, know, maybe it's, someone... not a, it, it's not a fine line. It's a squiggly line that yeah. has terms and conditions that curves and it bends around certain areas. Right. You yeah. know, so. But I feel like do? players now need to just start taking amphetamines again and then just see how, then just really screw with the voters in that way. So it's like, oh, what? It's cool for Mickey Mantle and not for Mookie Betts. Yeah, like they, they have these wild ass ballots to where Billy Wagner is getting fucking voted in. And never once in my lifetime have I looked at Billy Wagner like, oh, yeah, sure, Hall of Famer. The guy is my size, left handed, throws hard, uh, gets on playoff teams. Sounds like every other left handed reliever to me. Yeah. Billy Wagner was good, though. That guy played for the Mets for a long time. He played for the Mets when I was living here, I think, and he was good. Yeah. I like Astros' Billy Wagner, though. Nastier. Nice. I think his uh, breaking stuff was better as he got older because I think he was he was like the left-handed Bobby Jenks, young, you know, just <laughs> gas in the hook. Yeah. Yeah, the big hook. And it's crazy because you don't really see a lot of left-handed closers. I think, uh, was it, Sean Doolittle? I remember uh, the Angels had Brian Fuentes back when uh, Mike Trout was a Charmander. So, right. you don't really see a lot of left-handed closers. All right, so we agree, yes, they did Barry Bonds wrong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, you guys got strength to talk about the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, the slavery. Uh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, MLB lockout. The MLB Players Association met with the league owners for record second consecutive day today to continue negotiations over the collective bargaining agreement. News coming from these meetings seemed hopeful after over six weeks of no negotiations at all. On Monday, the players withdrew their demand for shortening the period before the player reaches free agency. And today, the owners dropped their proposal to make changes to the arbitration process. However, there is no timetable for when the two sides will meet again. And with pitchers and catchers supposedly reporting in less than a month, the clock is ticking. Question, are we finally making progress here or are the owners just fucking with us. Justin, what do you think? I think it's a, it's a situation to where the warden can't let the prisoners run the prison. Uh, the, you talk about a dividing line and the owners are probably using COVID 
guaranteed contracts, yep. Yep. early extensions as leverage against the players saying, hey, we're, we're exposing ourselves financially to give you at least some semblance of security. We have to draw our line too because we have a little bit more to risk outside of our physical being and our employment. You know, I mean, baseball contracts are guaranteed. You know, so I, I, I got to account for something back on my end, too, outside of wins and losses. But then again, I look at fucking Pittsburgh and Cleveland with a payroll that's under 30 million. How much do they care about winning and losing, too? Not, so, not at all. Not whose side can you be on in a not, situation yeah. like this when you're a fan? I don't understand fans who side with the owners. Like, they're ridiculous. It, and, and, the the what did you say at the beginning there? Oh, about about the wardens, right? I've been the owners are going to be willing to lose money. They say that it's about money for them. They're going to be willing to lose money if it means they can retain total control of the players, of the workers, right? That's what they care about. They care about maintaining their power structure. Like, and they're willing to burn it all down in order to maintain that power, that dominant power structure that they have. Yeah, I think the owners don't have the same, the owners are playing a different game than the players because the owners, the product for the owners is not in danger because the value of their investment continues to go up even with these you know, even after the COVID season, even after the season last year where there was only certain percentage amounts of fans allowed in the, in the stands at the beginning of the season. <clears throat> and so they don't care. Like, they'll be happy to lose more games this year if, it, if they can get what they want from this collective bargaining agreement because they're, they don't care about baseball. No, they don't care about baseball. They right. And, we, and, right. and us as fans are sitting here, sitting on our hands, got to speculate about somebody else's job, stuff that we plan to take for granted, all because of what? No, no, you want to keep your social leverage, your financial leverage over your, your subordinates. You got to look at it on a primal level. This is, the, this is people, you know, pulling rank. And the, the closest way to do that is with money. And it sucks. Yes. Yep. Well, so this is why I think that the government needs to come in and remove the tax or the, the antitrust exemption. What is it, the antitrust exemption that Major League Baseball uh, enjoys, because that's on the basis that baseball is part of the fabric of American culture and that the league is like the safeguard of that. And I would say that the league is no longer no longer gives a shit about baseball as a part of the fabric of American culture and they should lose their antitrust exemption. Oh yeah, no doubt. Like you got to think America's pastime is the furthest thing from America. The hardest working people are the most struggling. Look at how they're treating the minor leaguers. Got guys sleeping in cars, but you value him because he throws 98 miles per hour. What about the, what about the human? You know, I got my boy Jake Berger down down for the uh, South Side, and he's talking about, you know, mental health. He's bringing awareness. 
because he has seen what the process has done to guys. Michael Kopech, another example, a guy that goes through the motions sometimes. You know, Dylan Cease, these are all guys that has, they seen it firsthand. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to, you know, fathom your teammate sleeping in his car or he has, he can't go to dinner tonight because the wallet's a little tight. You know, it's hard when you think these guys are going to be professionals and you see them struggling on a, on a basic, basic level. You know? Right. Oh, they are professionals, though. That's the thing. Minor league baseball, they're professional baseball players. Exactly. And and they're not getting paid like they're professional anything. And and they they're exempt from from minimum wage laws for some dumb fucking reason. You yeah, know, that's got to go. They're paid absolute poverty wages. They don't have a union. And I don't know why. If either of you know why, why is minor league baseball not in the union? Why are they not included? I don't know. I mean, Beats me. Yeah. 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 Yep. Anyway. And you know what? It's sad, too, because I shouldn't be able to be a cashier in an inner city and make more money than a minor league player. Especially when, you know, we, we live in a society where we voted for guys like Joe Biden that's supposed to make the world a better place for the hardworking people of America. And now we sit here a whole winter, you know, as baseball fans determining whether or not our athletes deserve a fair share. Like, what are we doing? Like, baseball in America, they lie to me to my fucking face, telling me they want to grow the game, they want to make it more marketable. How? You think slavery is fucking marketable, you idiots? We're in the work, the woke world now. Everybody's going to be a fucking whistleblower. And you have the audacity to be plantation owners right in front of our eyes. That's These true. owners, yes. they, make me, they make me sick, Jojo. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's no accountability. That's the thing. There's no accountability for them. There's like they can do whatever they want. They could cancel this entire season. Like no one's going to tell them no, you know, like. It's ridiculous. Look at the marketability. You mentioned marketability, like expanding the game. Tim Anderson is the most marketable player on the Chicago White Sox. Every oh hell yeah. Every PR commercial from MLB has Tim Anderson on it. Who else? We got Tatis, we got Shohei Otani, and Vladimir yeah. Guerrero Jr. Like yeah. They, I, I, Go ahead, Joe. They what I was gonna say is that MLB is willing to burn down what they should excuse me, what should be a golden opportunity to be like, we've got a black superstar, we got a Japanese superstar, we've got these two Dominican superstars, like let's expand the game. And they're willing to burn that opportunity down in order to maintain their power structure right now. It's fucking sick. You got Stephen A. Smith, a black man, having the audacity to say Shohei Otani having a fucking translator is bad for baseball. He doesn't talk in English, you numb nuts. He talks in home runs and strikeouts. <laughs> you know what the stat whip is, you piece of shit, Stephen A. That's how Shohei Otani talks. He doesn't talk English. The best players in our fucking game 
Mookie Betts speaking Spanish Mookie for the last could be the face of MLB. Like, like, why yeah. not? Like, best player, yeah. best like charisma. Like, okay, Mike Trout, really good. Put him on a camera. He he he's boring with the ground. Nobody cares about Mike. Right. Yeah. You're snooze town. Yeah. Look at that guy. <laughs> Like there's there's one player in baseball that I would unconditionally hate, and it's Mike Trout for that reason. He oh, is yeah. not not he, that guy. He's not that guy, and I I don't feel I don't hate him because he's like I'm not that guy. I'm just really good at hitting baseballs, and he he can't. He's like J. He's like the Jay Cutler of center fielders. Like I'm good. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no. The least the the least inspiring guy. Like we talk about Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts captivates you as a teammate, as a coach, as a fan. Mike Trout captivates you looking at the fucking box score at the end of the game. Because when you watch right. the game, his home run didn't matter anyway. <laughs> right. Good. He captivates you as a fantasy player. Exactly. DFS, you asshole. <laughs> Boogie Betts, though, is not, he's not a, he doesn't like, he's like not a media guy. He's not like a super, like out there, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. He no, doesn't like, want to be the face of baseball, I don't think. Yeah. No, he, he just wants to be a guy that bowls and, you right. know, throws guys out from right field. He does. But, you know, I don't think he's super comfortable in front of the camera, like doing talking, which is another thing I really like about Jackie Bradley Jr. is that guy is really good in front of the camera. Oh, yeah. I like I like missed him when he was gone, not like doing interviews and stuff because he's so good. Well, you got to think about who he, who he is. He's a very observant guy. So he's yeah. already prepared, well-versed. And he's good at what he does. Like you seen what he did our last World Series. He he basically yeah. beat Houston by himself quietly, and nobody even talks about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, JBJ is hey. always prepared. Yeah. Anyway, fuck the owners. That's all I'm. Fuck saying. the owners. Yeah. Fuck the owners. Here's my plan, Justin. Tweet at Tim Anderson and Marcus Stroman. And get them to schedule like a pickup baseball game in Washington Park, right? Just like advertise, like we are the best players. We are the best players in Chicago. We're just hanging out, playing a baseball game. Any kids who want to come, hey, we got cameras rolling, but it doesn't even matter. And we're just going to play a couple of innings of baseball. It's going to be fun. And hey, we are what generates revenue for Major League Baseball, by the way. Like, yeah, no, you talk, you're talking about getting the Stroh Show and TA7 in Washington Park. You're thinking about 50,000 people. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> you're going to have the whole south side of Washington Park? That, right. That'd be great. Right. And, like, what, have a, the – local high school come out and like let Marcus Stroman strike them all out. Yeah, I don't think Stroman's striking everybody out. You're giving him too much fucking credit. You forget this guy played for the Cubs 
That's true. He's the Who reason is? Jose Bautista don't got a ring. And he played for the Mets. I don't know. We've got a whole thing about the Mets just somehow failing no matter what they do. <laughs> that team is cursed, man. After David Wright hurt his back, it was over. Yeah. It was over. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. This was great. I really appreciate it. Uh, no, no problem, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give us a shout out. Your what, Bad Guy Radio, what else? Oh, yeah, we're Bad Guy Radio. It's me, uh, Ken W.O. Jr., uh, King Mac. Uh, we just talk a different brand of baseball. We're not into the numbers, the war. We talk about what a guy does on the field. And uh, I built a really good family with the Bad Guy Radio. Yeah, uh, JoJo, you've been on the show with us. Yep. You see the type of characters I deal with. Uh, nice, organic family we got. And I, I appreciate it. So shout out to the BGR. I love you, assholes. Shout out to Bad Guy Radio. Uh, shout out to Ken Will. See, Ken Will was, you know, he's like the grumpy old man of White Sox Twitter. You know what I'm saying? He wears Nike Monarchs 90% of the time. I fucked that up. What were you saying? He wears Nike Monarchs. <laughs> he wears day. Nike on. Kenwell wears Nike Monarchs. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Say hey to that guy for me. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, we'll talk to you later, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been dump on the young ostensibly. Oh, wait, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter handle is Panthera underscore Onka six. So that'd be P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A underscore O-N-C-A six. Follow me on Twitter. No nudity. Okay. Please. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump. Facebook Dump on the Ump. Ladies and gentlemen, yo, thanks so much for listening. Uh, yeah, that's it. We'll fucking talk to you later. Have a great evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Time ain't long. No, the time ain't long. If you don't believe I'm leaving, count the days I'm gone. You will be sorry, be sorry for.